Welcome to another episode of My Hope is Built On with your hosts, David and Dan Ziegler, a show about real people with real stories answering the question, what is your hope built on? May this week's episode bring you some hope. Welcome again to another episode of My Hope is Built On, and we are back again. Um, you'll notice that there's only one of uh, me here this week. My son is away and he's spending some time um, completing some educational things that he needs to get done. And so he'll be gone for a few weeks, And uh, but he will be joining. His seat is still hot and available. So uh, once he's back, uh, we'll look forward to having him back in on the show. But today I'm joined with uh, Evan Herman and Evan and I, we don't know each other. Uh, we've, uh, except for just some few introductory calls and getting to know each other that way. But uh, we've met through some external sources that kind of help c- us connect with one another and similar journeys, similar stories. Uh, but I think Evan's got some different things that he's focused on as well. And one of them is that he has a podcast that's called The Whole Person Podcast because he's passionate about helping people master personal development from a face. A faith-based perspective. So Evan, welcome to the show and tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name again is Evan Herman. I'm currently 33 years old <laughs> and I've been married 11 years. I have three boys, two angel babies, and my entire life, I wanted to be a pastor wow. and since I was seven and went to college, got a degree in theology, Never really became a pastor, uh, a lead pastor. I was a youth pastor for about a year. Um, and just, you know, different things led to, to really realizing that wasn't for me as a youth pastor. But I had this hurt in my heart uh, that was going unfulfilled. Mm. Being an individual who would preach to teach and to do those things. And so my life had a lot of unfulfillment, a lot of what felt like lost vision, lost purpose, lost hope. Mm. And in addition to that, in 2008, uh, on average, I've lost one close love person in my life since 2008. As you heard, I said I had two angel babies and you know, that that's two of them. Um, I've lost friends and mentors and neighbors and acquaintances that were close um, all through different tragedies, different sicknesses, illnesses. You know, two of my best friends died in a plane crash. I had one mentor fall off of a mountain. Um, I, you know, one of my children, she was a premature stillborn. I've gone through a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of grief, a lot of loss. And through the process, there's this image of myself that I've created in my mind, this Evan Herman that I'm striving to be. And in so doing, I really hated who I was. And it wasn't until I was talking with someone on my podcast who said, that is idolatry towards God in self-hatred. And it really rocked my world. Mm. Self-hatred is because I'll never get to be the person that likes himself if I hate who I am today. Right. I can't love myself in the process of change. And idolatry towards God is because I have this view of myself that's better than what God made me. And I made this picture perfect Evan of myself a false idol because that's not who I should strive to be like. I should strive to be like Jesus. Mm. And it rocked my world and it changed me so much. 
And when that was spoken into my life, everything started changing. I always had personal growth, even from a biblical perspective, but I didn't see the growth in the fruit exponentially until that moment started. Right. And it was from that moment that I started seeing so many things line up in my life. Wow. That's incredible. It's funny. You said that uh, your angel babies, uh, we talk about this, uh, having some similarities just in our brief conversation. So I lost uh, twin twin boys in their 27th week of pregnancy and wife had to deliver both of them. And uh, so yeah, understand the loss of as it relates to uh, infants for sure. And yeah, um, that's incredible. And, 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 and obviously, it's a great tee up, Evan, just to understand. So um, tell us again, uh, when you think of hope, what does hope mean to you? When I think of hope, it's synonymous with the name Jesus. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I can't separate the two in my own mind and in my own heart. You know, when we throw out the word casually, like, oh, I hope we can uh, get this done today. That's different. Yeah. But like, what's my hope in is Jesus. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, uh, plans to prosper you and your future or hope for the future. You know, what I realize is that God formed me in my mother's womb before I was even a twinkle in my parents' eye. Like he knew I was coming and he had plans for mm. me. And my hope is that those things are in him and that I could rest assured that regardless of whatever happens in my life, Jesus is with me. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's awesome. You know, and, uh, and lead us to say, you know, the follow-up question in terms of what we always ask is where's your, you know, what is your, um, uh, what is your hope built on? I mean, obviously it's clearly going to be the same answer as Jesus, right. but uh, how did you get there? How did you get there in terms of that getting to that level of being hopeful in Jesus and finding your hope to be built on that? Sorry, I'm going to get emotional. Okay. For all the death that I've gone through in my life, all the loss, it would be very easy not to be hopeful. It would be very easy to be downcast, to be bitter and angry towards God. But I know that God is good, regardless of my circumstances or situations, and that God is not the author of these deaths that there is an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a passage here in Romans 8 that I'd like to, to read. It starts in verse 18. So 8, 18 through like 25-ish. Okay. I consider that our present suffering are not worthy of comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Meaning that regardless of our suffering that we're going through in life, the glory of God that is being lived out and revealed in us far outweighs any hurt, pain, or suffering mm-hmm. that we'll ever have. Because the glory of God that's going to be revealed in us is relationship with him in eternity. 
That's the glory that it's being spoken of. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning and is in pain like childbirth right up to the current time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption and sonship of the redemption in our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. But the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what we already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Meaning that our hope is in our current circumstances, our current situations, the things that we currently have. But our hope is in he who is yet to come, Jesus. Mm. I can have hope now because I believe in Jesus and I have hope coming because he is yet to come. So even in my present suffering, I can trust that hope is still coming, that Jesus is still coming, that the redemption of the fallenness and pain of this world is yet to come. Hmm. Yeah. Because I have Jesus now, I have hope that I've been redeemed from that. And then when he comes, my hope is in that, that redemption happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. You know, honestly, I was sitting here thinking that, and when you said that, it's something I always talked to about, and, it, and it's hard because if you're, if you're somebody who knows Jesus and, and, and your faith is built on Jesus and your hope is built on Jesus, um, you have that eternal focus, right? And, um, and, but without eternal focus, you live in the moment, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges for all of us that are that struggle to find hope is because we're living in that moment. But even as a believer, sometimes I can lose perspective of that eternal focus, you know, right. uh, and get caught up in that moment and feel hopeless, even though I may know who hope is. Right. Well, and, you know, hope is Jesus. Yeah. The only thing that's Jesus is peace. And one of the biggest things that I want in my life is peace. I just want to live in peace. Mm -hmm. And so long in my life, I've chosen to live in peace if my circumstances are good. Yeah. And so often we think, okay, well, yeah, I have peace. You know, life's good right now. But what about when life's bad? Because if we have peace based off of our circumstances, that's not real peace. Peace is being calm in the midst of the storm, regardless of what's going on. And it, it makes me think of the disciples when they were in the boat in Galilee, on the Sea of Galilee, which is known for storms to pop up, and they were afraid that they were going to die. Jesus was in the boat sleeping, and Peter goes down and says, Lord, aren't, aren't you, you know, like afraid that we're going to yeah, die? Yeah. And he gets up. He rebukes the storm, 
they were marveled. And then he turns to his disciples and says, oh, you have little faith. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the physical manifestation of Jesus. But their focus was on their circumstances, not the man who was at rest. Yeah. And it also makes me think of three other guys who were at rest named Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Yeah. And this is an Old Testament story where King Nebuchadnezzar built a statue of himself for people to worship, and they didn't. And they basically were told they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. And they were given another opportunity to bow down and worship this idol. And they decided within themselves that their God is big enough to save them from the king. But even if they weren't, they still wouldn't bow down. And I, and I love that because they kind of said that to Nebuchadnezzar. And it was kind of a mic drop moment where they're like, and yet, king, even if our God doesn't save us, we will not serve your God. Yeah. It was this defiant voice spoken with boldness and power that they weren't swayed by their circumstances. Yeah. But yet they'd have peace. And it was so hot that the guards that threw them into the furnace died as soon as the doors opened. Yeah. But what's crazy is apparently there's some way that you could see the furnace uh, from the outside because when Nebuchadnezzar saw the men walking around, he saw four men instead of three that he threw in. And they said the fourth one looked like the son of man. Hmm. And then at that moment, when they came out, they didn't smell. They weren't burnt. And then there's only three men that came out. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, truly, this is the real God and issued a decree that everyone must worship this God yeah. of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And if they don't, they'd be cut up into little pieces. Yeah. 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 But peace wasn't in their circumstances. Yeah. And that's a lesson that I'm constantly learning every single day. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And, uh, and I think that's true. I mean, um, when you were mentioning that about even uh, with the disciples on the boat, one of the things I've always thought about in that is that peace was with them and, right. and Christ was with them and his response really was their response. They should have just laid down and took a nap, you right. know? And, and so often when we see it, maybe it's the loss of the job. Maybe it's the loss of a relative. Maybe it's, you know, whatever the circumstance might be that we're facing like you said, we just get into that moment and we forget who's actually in us and with us at all times and, and that we should be able to find calm in those storms of life. And that's what Jesus really brings for us as that calm in the storm. And uh, right. so that's really cool. I love that. Um, talk to me a little bit about more about some of the things that uh, uh, you've been going through as you're kind of sounds like you're on a personal journey right now. I noticed one of the things I read about you is the quest for personal development. And really uh, there was some challenges along the way that you had noticed about personal development. And now you've kind of taken a different angle at it. Yeah. So for so long, you know, when I've been going through personal growth, I've been reading personal growth books, had coaching and those are good. But when I've put my focus on being like Jesus, that's when real things like 
really started to change in my life. Yeah. And for, I mean, one of them, 2019 was a terrible year for my wife and I financially and even emotionally, we had like eight financial, like major things happen. We had four ER visits, two surgeries. We had two cars break down, car wreck, miscarriage. And then with the only amount of money we had, I felt like God told me to give it all away to a specific pastor in Uganda to help an orphan who had an infected foot to have surgery. Mm. And it was like, literally God told me to give everything. Yeah. Ironically, that's what they were missing. They needed literally like 800 bucks. That's all we had to our name. Wow. And that's all that they needed left for her surgery. We gave that money and she died on the operating table. And so it was a very hard year for me and my wife. And something happened uh, in 2019 where, I don't know if I said 2018 or 2019. It was 2019 was the hard year. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it, when it really got difficult, I also made the decision to get out of debt. Like no more debt. We didn't have credit cards, but I had student loan. We had a storm shelter. We had car debt and our mortgage and some medical. And it's like, as soon as I decided to draw a line in the sand, I got tested. And then all these financial things started happening. Do I run out and get a credit card? Do I, do we run out and go get another debt for, uh, for, I mean, cause legitimately we needed two vehicles in our family yeah. for work and we had zero cars because one broke down for good. And then one was in the car wreck. And, you know, originally my wife's like, let's just go get a loan so we can at least have one vehicle. And I just, I couldn't do it. Hmm. I was like, I've got, I've got to believe in the word, which says, oh, no man, anything. And so I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, we're not going to go into debt. And she couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel because it was a very long and dark tunnel. It felt. Of course. She willingly and frustratively submitted and not that she needed to be in a place of submission, but as the leader of my house, I chose this is what we're going to do because only I can lead this decision and make it the hard decision and think about 10, five, 10 years because that's how long a car loan is, five years. Yeah. And um, so long story short, we were allowed to borrow a car for six months from someone. And then it took about a month, month and a half for our car wrecked car to come back. And we got that back finally. So then we had two vehicles and then she got a raise at work. And then I got a raise at work. And then we started paying down my student loans paid off. Actually we started paying, we paid off the storm shelter. Then we paid off one of the cars that we already had mm. And then 2020 rolled around. And then, you know, I still had about, I don't know, seven to 10 grand left on my student loans. And, uh, you know, then the student loans got suspended because of COVID. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to agree with the suspension. I'm going to pay it down anyway. Yeah. And it was great because it wasn't bearing interest. And we paid the student loans off. And the only, other than our house, we have medical debt. And that's on a, a good payment plan, not trying to pay that one off early because it's zero <laughs> percent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but what happened is God started making a way in the midst of really obeying. And when the rubber met the road, we didn't, we didn't go into debt. We got tested if we really believe that. And I said, yes. And so literally in less than six months, we paid off the majority of our debt. And then the two vehicles that we had, we don't have anymore. And we have both newer vehicles to us, not brand new, but we were even able to upgrade in our vehicles. Um, and then we had a third child mm. and other things, you know, and so that, that really was one example of personal growth, wholeness, and well-being. Another thing too is we are a society that has become okay with oh, works of the flesh in terms of, uh, let, let me put it this way, addictions. Let's just call it that. Yeah. We all have succumbed to vices in strongholds in our life. And I have absolutely been one of them. I was trapped in pornography for over 20 years. I was a glutton in soda and in food. Mm. I mean, I would drink 32 to 40 ounces of Mountain Dew a day. Wow. I've lost a total of 40 pounds. I've gained some of that back, but now I've dropped down again. Um, and so, you know, I've went from about 245 to I'm jumping in between 215 and 220 right now, and I'm on my way down. Good. And gluttony is one of the things in our society that we don't look at as sin. No. But it is. And I said, all right, God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sin. I don't want this in my life. And the other thing too is it affected my marriage because I often felt bloated, miserable, and irritable. Hmm. My wife, when she wanted to cuddle and touch me, I didn't want to be touched because I often overate or I was eating things that I knew just made me feel bad, like tomato paste, like on spaghetti or a pizza. Like I love, I love spaghetti and I love pizza, but the tomato paste would make me feel terrible. Caffeine would make me feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Sugar would make me feel terrible in high quantities. Soda made me feel terrible. So then what ended up happening is I didn't, I didn't want to be, uh, touched by my wife. And then that made her not feel loved, which then put a damper on our intimacy, which only then provoked more of the pornography. Like those things are real things that can domino effect. But I, I mean, I dealt with pornography long before I was married. Right. But Jesus set me free because I submitted that to him. And those strongholds aren't there. And when you learn how to walk in the freedom that we have as believers, you start producing way more fruit in your life and you feel a lot better doing it. Yeah. And so when we look at personal growth in the world's context, we're looking at finances. We're looking at how I can do more with less time and life hacking and this 
We're not talking about getting rid of the things that hold us down. We're not talking about getting the things that feel like has been enslaved to us. And that's where true freedom is, is when you can walk in freedom and control of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because when I was addicted to pornography, I was a slave to pornography. When I was addicted to soda, I was a slave to soda. I don't want to be a slave to anything. I want freedom in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I look at in a long answer as biblical personal growth. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny you said that because one of the things I, I teach on is, is similar. And, and when I define flesh, I define flesh. If you look at all the attributes or what the Bible defines as the, the works of the flesh is, and they're really all self-centered responses, right? Yeah. That so it's a self it's a self-centered perspective that we're coming from and it's self-preservation, it's self-glorification, it's self-satisfaction, you know, it's all the selfs wrapped up in there. And um, and that's why when I think for people to get out of that, we have to really understand that isn't about us. And uh, um and, and what's even funnier, you mentioned the gluttony because it is a it is a big deal and it is something that doesn't get talked about as one of those self-centered responses. And 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 the way you could quickly tell if you're struggling with something is the way that you are, you defend it, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. you, you defend your gluttony. How do you say, well, I got to, you know, you start making up every excuse in the world, why you're the way you are, you know, and you blame it on this, you blame it on that and never take personal responsibility for mm-hmm. where you're at. The pornography, well, my wife doesn't do this. My wife doesn't do that. So I'm, you know, and so again, it's take personal responsibility. It's really yourself. And, and then like you're saying, to transform yourself out of that means that you now all of a sudden you have to make some mind shift changes in your, in your life. Right. And those mind shift changes are to align with something that's perfect. And none of us are perfect except for one. And, and again, we talked about him and his name is Jesus. And so um, I agree with you 100%. I think that's awesome that you shared that because uh, uh that is one of the, I think one of the biggest areas uh, that people don't even talk about anymore. And that is the area of gluttony and you, right. so. Well, and I want, there's a couple more scriptures here. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up real quick. So when we're talking about works of the flesh we're talking about sexual immorality, yeah. impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, etc. Yeah. And I mean, so many things can be brought out in that. And when I talk to people, they're like, okay, so I just have to stop sinning. And mm-hmm. you know, people focus on, okay, I'm not going to sin, but what you focus on expands. So if you're focused on not sinning, you're going to sin more. Yeah. And what, that's what people don't realize. It's like, it's the other thing. Well, it's why, why people often feel condemned when you talk about sin, because you feel like people are coming at you based off of sin. Yeah. But in reality, if we talk about Romans 12, two here, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll able be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So how do you 
break through the strongholds. Well, one, as a Christian, we already have that power and authority to break strongholds in others' lives and in our own lives yep. because of Christ. He's given us that authority at the Great Commission. But even here, it talks about renewing your mind. It doesn't say about fighting the evil desires. Yeah. It says renew your mind. And so earlier when I was telling you, I didn't want to be like the perfect version of Evan Herman. I wanted to be like Jesus. Yeah. When I set my eyes on Jesus, when I set my mind on Jesus, he transforms me. I don't transform myself. He transforms me. And my job is to look at him. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, I become closer to his image. Yeah, no, it's true. And and it's so true. So let's just, uh, and again, I think this is all good because people sitting there probably listening going, well, you're not talking about hope right now. I I said, no, this is all about hope because if you're struggling, you're hoping you're going to find a way to get out of the situation. How many people said, "I, I really hope I can lose this weight. I really hope I, you know, and it's like, this is helpful. So let's just talk about the subject of gluttony right now. And again, in, when if you were to coach somebody or if you were to just uh, mentor somebody that's struggling with that right now, what would be some of that based upon the faith-based approaches that you take? What would you say to them? Yeah, well, for the f- starters, I would take them down the why path. Why do you want to stop this? Mm-hmm. And say, okay, great. Let's let's take an example of this, okay? You you just make stuff up, okay? It, yeah. it might not sound as personal because we're kind of role playing here, okay? So why is getting rid of gluttony important for you? Um, I'm tired of just feeling unhealthy. My clothes don't fit me. You know, I, I just I feel gross. Why does feeling gross important to you to change? Uh, I because I feel like. Um, if I feel this way about myself then others see me the same way. Why do other people's concern about how you look, why is that important to you? Um, because I just, I have a desire to have um, uh, people's, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe just to. Uh, right. You know. Well, it's hard because we're role-playing yeah, here. Yeah. So, but you get the concept is that you go down this wide path and eventually you actually will find the real motivative factor because a lot of people don't typically know what that motivation factor is until you peel back the layers. And once you find that, then I talk to them about, again, I go to transforming the mind. Mm -hmm. So our brain has neurological pathways in them that are often like, um, dirt paths, you know, I don't know if you've ever gone hiking, but you know, we have different hiking places and there's paths that many people have taken. Yeah. Well, if those people who walk on those paths are like our thoughts, our thoughts will run in those paths and those patterns because it's how our mental programming has happened. And so what happens is it becomes easier and easier for those same thoughts to reoccur because we've already created neurological pathways for those to take place. So what we need to do is create new neurological pathways and think in those thoughts. And in so doing, we solidify a new way of thinking 
-hmm. that creates new pathways. And meanwhile, that old pathway, then like any other path, eventually gets overgrown and covered up and it's, it's not a path anymore. Yeah. And our brains are malleable. We can change the way we think we can change our personalities. Even Um, the, the brain is very uh, shapeable. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so then I let people know that there is an ability to change this. And then we go into self-talk and we talk about how the words of our mouth are important in the way that we think are important. And so what are positive things that we can say or think or counteract when we have negative self-talk and then learn to know the deceiver's voice because not all thoughts are of our own, but we do have an accuser that likes to wage war in our mind and realize when that voice is talking to us and basically kick that voice out. Right. We call that voice a drunk monkey or whatever. And so that that's a part of the process. And then, you know, you can do audio for a positive self-talk. Um, you can set times where you read things for positive self-talk. And then the other aspect that we're going through in transformation is then creating a plan. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of gluttony, you know, one of the things that um, I do is, okay, I want to work out. So if I want to wake out at 5 a.m., I need to go to bed at 8 or 9 p.m. to right. try to get a full amount of sleep. Okay. And when I wake up and normally I'm still tired when I wake up, what's the first thing that I do? Okay. The first thing that I do is I'm going to drink some water that's already sitting right by my bed in one of the, in one of these uh, Yeti cup that's cold so that my body, my internal organs get kind of like a a wake up chill when I drink. And then I go to the bathroom and then I go to the bathroom and I stand there until I feel more alert. And then after that, I already have my clothes laid out for my workout and then I put those on and then I go. So I have a routine that helps me in my success with the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too is then tracking. Track your progress, track what you eat, track what you're working out. Because if you're just doing things and you don't have a plan or a purpose or you're not tracking, then you have no ability to measure growth by. Exactly. And so you need to be able to measure your growth. Yeah, that's really good. I'm so glad you uh, brought it up because again, like I said, it's a, it's a topic that doesn't get addressed a lot and probably one of the number one issues in our country to tell you the truth. Right. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, you know, Evan, I, I really have enjoyed speaking with you today. I think this has been an amazing podcast. I, you know, I, I love the information you share. Um, is there anything you can share the audience in terms of like, if they wanted to get a hold of you, obviously everything we'll put into the, the show notes and everything about you. But if you, if there's something personal you want to share with people right now to get a hold of you or something that you're offering and you want to share out, please feel free. Yeah. So like you, I am very easy to get a hold of, you know, my phone number, uh, 918-625-7073. My email is evan at evanherman.com, H-E-R-R-M-A-N. 
Uh, my podcast is The Whole Person Podcast, and I have guests on my show who speak into my life and into the audience's life. Um, you know, the biggest thing about what I try to teach people, other than just what it, the most important part, life with Christ, yeah. is the whole person concept, which is faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. Because those, those things we absolutely need in our life to have a whole life. And sometimes it's okay to live out of balance in one of those areas because it affects all the other areas in a positive way, but it's learning how to ebb and flow in these seasons and to be well-rounded for the most part. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I'll definitely, uh, we'll put your, all that information in the show notes and everything. And, uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking with you today. And also you just sharing a little bit about your life and and what your hope is built on. And we're so, we're really excited and we look forward to possibly doing something together again in the future. Awesome. I would love that. And you are a great host. So I've, I've really enjoyed my time. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. Wow. Thank you very much, Evan. You take care and uh, we'll catch up with you. And to all you listeners, we uh, look for the show coming in and then uh, the next one's coming out. Stay faithful and stay hopeful. Mm-hmm.